continue to talk of cases where we apply the rule of following the majority and defining the status of something based on the majority. Produce which grows in Eretz Israel requires tithing before it can be eaten. That means that a certain portion of that which grew needs to be given to Kanim or Levim or poor people, depending on which tithe is being separated. However, the obligation to separate tithes from the produce does not necessarily apply as soon as the produce has been harvested, but rather it depends. If the produce is intended for private use, you're not planning on selling it, so then only once the produce arrives at one's home is its processing considered to be completed, and from that point onwards it would require tithing before being eaten. Or if one eats a whole meal of that of the produce, then he would also need to tithe it even before he's brought it home. But until he's brought it home, he's able to eat it as a snack, even without tithing the produce. On the other hand, if one is intending to sell that produce in the marketplace, then it is forbidden to eat any of that produce from the moment that it has been harvested, because the obligation of tithing applies already from that moment onwards. If somebody finds produce on the road, and it's clear that the produce has been lost, so there, and, and there's no feature on the produce that allows one to be able to find the owner, so the mitzvah of returning this lost produce does not apply, and the person who finds it is allowed to keep it and eat it himself. The question is whether it is obligated in tithing or not. If the majority of people in that city or in that area generally bring the produce home instead of selling it, then potter, it would be exempt from tithes until the person who finds it brings it home. But since it was found on the road, it can be assumed that it hasn't yet arrived home. The person who owned that produce didn't actually make it home. It can be assumed that it dropped on the way home. And that means that it hasn't yet been obligated in tithes. However, if the majority of people in that area sell the produce that they grow, they generally sell it in the marketplace, then Chayev, that produce would require tithing already from now, because even if the owner dropped it on the way to the marketplace, that doesn't matter, because it became obligated in tithes from the moment that it was harvested. If it's half-half, half of the people in the area sell their produce, half of them keep it for themselves... So then there is a doubt as to whether the produce that one finds requires tithing already from this point or not. And the Mishnah says that demai, it's considered to be doubtful. And that means that out of doubt, one would need to tithe that produce before eating it. Now, it should be noted that technically speaking, the term demai does not really mean that there is a doubt as to whether it's been tithed or not. This is a very common misconception. Many people understand that demai refers to something that we have a doubt with regards to whether it has been tithed or not. However, this is incorrect. Strictly speaking, the term demai refers specifically to produce that is owned by an amhoretz, somebody who is ignorant of many of the laws of tithing. And midirabonon, one is obligated to be concerned that produce which was owned by an amhoretz has not been tithed. And it's specifically that case to which we refer to as demai in general. In a case like our Mishnah, where it has nothing to do with an Amhoaretz, we have simply a doubt as to whether or not this produce requires tithing, whether the obligation applies or not. And so the truth is, the word demai in the Mishnah is not so accurate. And over here it's a borrowed term, but really the Mishnah means that there's a doubt as to whether it requires tithing. 
Continues the Mishnah. A storehouse into which both Jews and non-Jews place their produce. And the Jews are Amehoretz, they're ignorant. And that means that their produce is considered to be real demai. That's what we just discussed now. And according to the first opinion of this Mishnah, produce that grew in Eretz Yisrael, even if the field was owned by a non-Jew, that produce still requires tithing. Now, obviously, the non-Jew himself is not obligated to tithe the produce, but if a Jew buys that produce from a non-Jew, he would be obligated to tithe it before eating it. Now, that which one buys from a non-Jew is considered to be tevel. Tevel means that it definitely has not been tithed. On the other hand, that which one buys from an Amhoretz is called Demai, that we have a certain doubt as to whether or not he tithed. And there are certain differences between Demai and Tevel, but be as it may, the Mishnah says, in Rov Goyim, if the majority of the people who put their produce in that storehouse are non-Jews, then Vadai, if one ends up buying produce from that storehouse and it's all been mixed together, he can assume that that which he buys is Tevel. It definitely has not been tithed, because he can assume that it came from the non-Jews' produce, because we're following the majority. The in Rev Israel, and if the majority of the people who put their produce in that storehouse are Jewish, and the majority of the produce there is therefore demise, so that which one buys from there is assumed to be like the majority, so Demai, it would have the status of Demai. If half of the people who put their produce in the storehouse are Jewish, half are not Jewish, then Vadai, we need to assume that the produce is Tevel, that it definitely has not been tithed, because half of the produce comes from non-Jews, that definitely hasn't been tithed, and of the Ameha Oretz who are Jewish, we can safely assume that some of them definitely didn't, at least some of them definitely didn't tithe, and therefore it's considered to be like a case of a majority of non-Jews, essentially. So that which one buys from there is considered to definitely have not been tithed. Dear Mayor, that's the opinion of a mayor. The Chachomim say that actually produce that grew in a field that was owned by a non-Jew does not require tithing at all. So in that sense, the Chachomim are lenient in comparison to Rabbi Meir. However, the Chachomim say that even if all of the people who put their produce into that storehouse are not Jewish, so none of their produce is, is, requires tithing. However, if there is even just one Jew who is an Amaharetz, who also puts his produce in that storehouse, the Mishnah says, Demai, one must consider all of the produce that's in that storehouse to be Demai, like the produce of the Amaharetz. According to the Chachonim, we do not follow the majority in this case, because in general, following the majority means that the minority is sort of nullified in the mixture. However, the concept of nullification doesn't apply, according to the Chachomim, in a case where there is another way to fix the problem, as it were. If the thing that is possibly forbidden in that mixture can become permitted via tithing it, for example, in this case, then the concept of nullification doesn't apply. And because of that, according to the Chachomim, all of the produce is considered to be demai because of that small amount of demai that is in the mixture. Mishud Aleph, not all produce is obligated in the same tithes. There is a seven-year cycle, the seventh year being a Shmita year, during which no obligation of tithes applies. It's forbidden to work in the field during that year. That which grows during that year would not be obligated in tithes. During the other six years of this seven-year cycle, one is always obligated to separate truma, which is a portion of the produce which is given to Kohanim, and Maiserishain, which is 10% of the produce which is given to Leviim. And these two tithes, truma and Maiserishain, apply 
for all of those six years. The third tithe that needs to be separated, however, depends on which year it is. During the first and second, as well as the fourth and fifth year, one is obligated to separate another tenth of the remaining produce. And this is a unique tithe that is not given to other people as a gift, rather the owner himself would eat it. But he is obligated to eat it in Yerushalayim, so he would need to bring up that produce to Yerushalayim and eat it over there. During the third and sixth year, instead of separating a tenth and eating it himself in Yerushalayim, one is obligated to separate a tenth and give it to a poor person, poor people. And this tithe is called Meiser Oni, the tithe of a poor person. Now what happens if there is a storehouse in which there is lots of produce, and produce which grew in different years all became mixed together? If there is produce that grew in the second year, which means that it requires Meiser Sheni, which is a tenth which one eats himself in Yerushalayim, which got mixed together with produce that grew in the third year, which means that instead of giving a tenth to oneself and bringing it up to Yerushalayim, he needs to give it to a poor person. So we have a mixture of these two produces that grew in the second year and the third year, and the majority grew in the second year. Or, if there is a mixture of third-year produce with fourth-year produce, and the majority is third-year produce, so the majority requires Meiser Oni, a tenth to be given to a poor person. Or if fourth-year produce is the majority in a mixture of fourth- and fifth-year produce. Or if fifth-year produce is mixed with sixth-year produce, and the majority is the fifth-year. Or the sixth year produce is mixed with seventh year, and the sixth year is the majority. Or the majority of the mixture is Schmitter produce, and it's mixed with produce that grew the year after Schmitter in the first year of the seven year cycle. In all of these cases, the Mishnah says, we follow the majority. So if the majority of the produce requires Meiser Oni, because it is third-year produce, then we would give the status of third-year produce to all of that produce, which means that you wouldn't be obligated to separate any Meiser Sheni, and you would only separate a tenth of all of that produce, the entire mixture, a tenth of it you would separate as Meiser Oni. We would literally consider all of it to be third-year produce, and likewise for all of the other examples. So in the last case, where the majority of the mixture is Schmitter produce, which is not obligated in tithes at all, so none of that produce would require tithing because it all has the status of produce that grew in the seventh year. Mechza what happens if it's half-half? Half of the produce is, let's say, second-year produce, which requires Meister Shani, a tenth that is taken up to Yerushalayim and eaten by the owner himself. And half of the produce is third year produce, which requires Meister Oni, a tenth to be given to poor people. So this is a real mixture. We're not able to give the one status to all of it because there isn't a majority. In this case, the Mishnah says, Lahachme, we need to be stringent, and one would be obligated to separate both Meister Oni and Meister Shani. And the way that one should do this is by separating a tenth and that would be considered Meister Shani, and Meister Shani is unique in that it can be redeemed onto money. And then one is able to bring the money up to Yerushalayim, and he can then use, spend the money on food, produce, and eat that in Yerushalayim. That would become his new Meister Shani. So what he should do in this case is separate a tenth of the produce, and then redeem that onto money, and the produce should be given to poor people as Meister Oni, and the money should be brought up through Yerushalayim and spent on new produce there, and that would be considered Meister Shani. 
Perigul Mishnah Aleph. The Mishnahis return to the main topic of this Masech, the Heksha, which is when a liquid comes into contact with a food item and makes it fit to become Tomei, not that it becomes Tomei immediately, but it becomes fit to become Tomei such that if a source of impurity will then touch that food, it will become Tomei. We've already seen that the moisture that is created from hot air or from pressure, or whatever it may be, is not considered to be one of the seven liquids that can cause Hersher, even though essentially it turns into water once it condenses onto a particular surface. We don't view that like regular water that has the ability to cause Hersher. However, if that steam or the moisture came from water, from hot water itself, so then it doesn't lose the ability to cause Hersher, and we would still view that as a form of water. If there is a sack full of produce, which one places on a riverbank, or at the top of a pit full of water, or on the steps going down into a cave which contains water, the shavu and the produce absorbed water from the steam that ultimately came from that water source. And the owner is pleased about this, and the likelihood is that he actually purposefully put them there in order that the produce will become a bit moist. This prevents them from drying out fast. So the owner is pleased about it, which and that is a condition for Hersher to be caused. The question is whether it's considered to be a liquid that can cause Hersher. The moisture which is on this produce, technically speaking, is not directly from the water. The entire area has a humidity and there's lots of moisture in the air. So possibly we don't look at it as having come from the water directly. The Mishnah says that any produce that absorbed the moisture would be it would be fit to become tome. And this doesn't mean that it has a little bit of moisture on it. It means that it has enough moisture that it's actually wet. That if somebody were to put his finger onto it, his finger will become wet. If there is such a significant amount of moisture on it, then Hersha would be caused. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Only the produce that is directly facing the water is considered to be mukhshar. But the culture any produce that is not directly facing and directly next to the water, rather it became wet as a result of the moisture that was on the other produce dripping onto the produce that is next to it. According to Yehuda, that produce that became wet as a result of the moisture on the other produce dropping onto it, that would not become mukhshar because this is already not considered to be coming from the water, from the source of water, and therefore it's like any moisture that is just created from heat and doesn't come directly from water, and as such, it would not yet be fit to become tome. Mission base, a barrel that is filled with produce and placed inside of another barrel or another large container that contains liquid. Or if the inner smaller barrel is filled with liquid, and it's placed in a larger container that contains produce, and the produce ends up absorbing some of the liquid, the liquid seeps through the walls of the barrel, and the produce becomes wet. And the Mishnah says that any produce that absorbed the liquid and is now wet, would be would be fit to become tome. Because presumably this was done on purpose. 
They wanted to make the produce a bit moist. It might make it last longer. It will make it look larger. However, the Mishnah emphasizes that with regards to which liquids did they say this, specifically with water, wine, and wine vinegar, which have a pretty thin consistency. They are not thick liquids, and they would usually seep through the barrel very easily. So in that case, it was presumably done on purpose, which means that the owner is pleased about the produce getting wet. However, all other liquids, for example, oil, tohirin, the produce that got wet with oil in this scenario would remain pure and it wouldn't be fit to become tamay because presumably it wasn't done intentionally since these thick liquids don't usually manage to seep through the barrel's walls. Now, Rabbi says that in the case of legumes like beans, they wouldn't become tomei even in the first part of the Mishnah when we have a liquid like water or wine. Sheina kidneys sheeves because these legumes don't usually absorb the water. And therefore, once again, the owner wouldn't usually do this on purpose. He hasn't got much of a gain from that. And therefore, the hechsher would not occur.